Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. To Forever Haunted Podcast. Coming at you straight from the supernatural vortex. Vortex. Discussing haunted locations, ghosts, poltergeists, cryptids, and all unexplained phenomena. Here's your hosts, Eve S. Evans, James Currow, and Ryan C. Welcome to Forever Haunted Podcast. I'm Eve Evans. And I'm James Curo. I've been racking my brain today, trying to figure out the best topic for today's show. Any ideas there, James? Hmm, not really. Nice. Just kidding. You know, we haven't talked about haunted houses in a while. What do you think? Hmm, I can get behind that. Let's do it. I'll start us off. Absolutely. Let's hear it. All throughout the country, there are scary houses of all different styles and time periods, which have been home to people from all walks of life, from the most ordinary farmers to the wealthiest businessmen and high society families. They may all share quite a few differences, but they all share one common trait. They're haunted. Yes, there are haunted houses in America found in each of the 50 states. Even Vermont? Yes. There are, of course, are haunted places around the world as well. Dun, dun, dun. Even Qatar? Oh, my gosh. The Octagon House, Washington, D.C., completed in 1801. This haunted mansion is one of the most historic in the nation, Built for Colonel John Taylor III, it was briefly the site of the French embassy during the War of 1812, as well as the temporary residence of President Madison, who signed the Treaty of Ghent in its central parlor. Today, the building is used by the American Institute of Architects as a museum, but it has also made quite a name for itself as a center of paranormal activity. As far back as the mid-19th century, the central staircase is a major hotspot for the supernatural, as footsteps are often heard, along with the saddened voice of a woman. Doors have been locked only to suddenly be found standing wide open. Lights turn on and off on their own, and footsteps, and even faint footprints, have been reported throughout the building, and objects often move without human interference. Wow. I wonder if it could be President Madison's ghost. And if it were, that's some place that I really would love to visit. You think he's like, you know, having second thoughts about that treaty? Well, so President Madison was said to have a cough, like a pretty heavy cough when he got older. Did he have COVID? It was a COVID cough. That's right. Sorry, that's not funny. So it would be pretty crazy if you were hanging around there and then you hear footsteps and then you hear kind of like ghostly coughing. He's like. (laughs) And I'd be like, President Madison, is that you? And you're like, is that a cat coughing up a hairball? Oh, no, it's just Madison. Just Madison. That crazy Madison. All right. Next up is Robinson Rose House in California. Reconstructed in the late 20th century, according to the specifications of the original mid-19th century structure, 
This building seems to have brought back some spirits along with it. Built by Judge James W. Robinson, this house was also used for private and community business purposes, making it a very active locale in its day. Today, this activity has continued in the form of various paranormal occurrences. Various apparitions in period attire have been seen, as well as strange human-shaped mists. Footsteps are often heard, and women often feel their hair tugged or toyed with. The ghosts seem fascinated by anything electrical, as lights often go on and off on their own, and the elevator has a tendency to move from one floor to the other completely unmanned. Yeah, that'd be creepy. You're like there, and it's like... Ding! And it like comes down and you're like, okay, whatever, just brush it off. And then it like closes and they see like a woo and it starts going up. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't like like the haunted house stories where the elevators are haunted. I always wonder, and it's like in the movies too, why do people get on the elevator? I'm like taking the stairs if I'm filming with the haunted house. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, because if you get stranded, like. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, the ones where the elevator just, like, drops. Just drops. Yeah, like, exactly. Pancake. Uh-huh. Nice. So, if there's anywhere close to a haunted house with a elevator, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now I have Sturdivant Hall in Alabama. Built in 1856 in the Greek Revival style. Fancy. This beautiful antebellum mansion was bought in 1864 by John McGee Parkman. In the years after the Civil War, Parkman was arrested and imprisoned for cotton speculation. While in prison, Parkman attempted to escape, but was shot and killed in the process. When his wife was forced to sell their house a few years after his death, his ghost began to appear regularly throughout the house and grounds, where it is still seen to this day. People often report hearing windows and doors being opened and shut, when no one else is in this real haunted house, as well as doors that close behind people and lock on their own. The apparitions of two little girls are also frequently seen, though their identities remain unknown. Mm, it's kind of having some parallels to The Shining. Maybe they like oxen. Right. All I could really take from that is that if I see two little girl ghosts on any property... I'm running. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Yeah. Yeah. Shining style. Yeah, because, well, when I was, I watched Shining as a kid, and I look at it now, and of course it's not nearly as scary to me as an adult, but that movie freaked the hell out of me when I was a kid, so. Right? It freaked me out, too. You bet. Good movie. Are you ready for another one? Um, does it have oxen and them bringing mansions and water? No, it actually has zombie dolphins. <gasps> zombie dolphins! Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I know. <laughs> this one is about Manresa Castle in Washington State. Inspired by Chateau in the French Renaissance style, this beautiful former mansion, now a hotel, was completed in 1892 at the behest of Prussian-born Charles Eisenbeis. It was originally supposed to be a hotel, but this business venture fell through, so Eisenbeis turned it into his family's home. It remained empty for a couple of decades after his death, and eventually became a Jesuit school, before finally achieving its original purpose as a hotel. While throughout the building there are instances of electrical devices switching on and off, and doors opening and closing on their own, it seems to be the third floor that's the most haunted. Footsteps and voices are often heard on this floor, but room 306 is the most active. A female apparition has been seen and quite... And felt quite often here. She especially likes to go through guest belongings and usually moves things around. She's often heard singing in the bathroom as well. Ooh, that's kind of like a Harry Potter vibe. 
Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Nice. The dining room and former chapel, also a dining area now, are also active, with apparitions of Eisenboss's wife, Kate, often seen, and reports of glasses being knocked over or shattering. Well, that's definitely interesting there, James. That's all you got, huh? It is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It kind of being shattered and it kind of scares me when I hear you singing in the bathroom. So I, I get that's it. not nice, <laughs> right? Is, that's not nice. Is that a ghost? Oh no, it's just Eve Evans <laughs> singing away in the shower. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Nice. That's how I sing like that. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> you are so weird. You freaking went there. I know. <laughs> don't go there if you don't want me to go there. <laughs> I like I like the idea of the female apparition that goes through guest belongings because I I know that if you were a ghost, that's totally what you would be doing. <laughs> you would be going through their luggage. Oh, what's this? What's that? What? You're yeah. saying that I'm a pilfer. <laughs> I <laughs> What does I have to say? First he's like smashing my singing in the shower. And now I'm a pilfer. <laughs> Rude. I know. That's so not nice. Right. I would bring something funny. Just to freak out the ghost going through my belongings because I'd be like, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what would you bring? I don't know, like a mini skateboard. Why would that no. freak them out? <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those fingerboards, and they're like seeing it like, <laughs> like this is cool. <laughs> a, a gerbil and a little ball. A gerbil and a little uh-huh, ball? Mm-hmm. Like one of those little rolly balls. Oh, the weasels? Mm-hmm. The weasel ball? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They might have fun with that. You yeah. leave it behind and you just see it like spazzing out. Right. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Do not use that. Okay. <laughs> this is quite interesting. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to bring something good. Well, what's that? I don't know. A weasel ball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Woo! I was thinking something like, what's it called when you stuff dead animals? I can't think of the word right now. Like a, like uh taxidermy. taxidermy. Yeah, like thing. bringing like a taxidermy, like baby monkey and like putting it in your luggage and then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, they kill baby monkeys. That's true. Yeah, you think that would freak them out? Maybe they'd want to haunt you because maybe they like monkeys. Not really. I mean, actually... And this is actually true from um, TSA statistics. Actually, 12% of luggage has stuffed baby monkeys <laughs> in them. So <laughs> Whatever. You're so full of crap. <laughs> James is full of crap. Anyway, please save us and move on to the next ghost story. Oh, okay. Next up is Kenmore Plantation in Virginia. What do they sell? Washing machines? <laughs> No, refrigerators. Okay. This beautiful plantation house and its surrounding buildings were built in 1776 by Fielding, Lewis, for his wife, Betty, who was also the sister of George Washington. Lewis sank a lot of money into the war effort against Britain during the American fight for independence, and apparently his ghost is still concerned over the state of his finances. He's often been seen sitting and going over his papers with a sour look on his face, and he's also been heard pacing the first floor hall very heavily. Staff have also reported seeing doorknobs turn on their own. Hmm. That's an interesting one. It's not like scary, but it's kind of like if you were sitting there going over your bank statements, maybe you feel guilty. You're like looking over your shoulder. It's like, is the ghost... Judging my finances. Or maybe he's just angry because they replaced his Kenmore with a Samsung. Oh. Oh. Snap. (laughs) Anyways. Moving on. That wasn't there. How about the House of Seven Gables? This is a famous one. It's one of the most well-known historic real-life haunted houses in New England. The House of Seven Gables was immortalized by Nathaniel Hawthorne's novel of the same name. Built in 1667, 
The house evolved over the years, featuring additions and later renovations that altered or removed additions, until finally being restored to its original grandeur. The house is now a museum, and staff and visitors often report supernatural occurrences. The electrical and plumbing systems seem to have minds of their own, as lights and faucets turn off and on unaided. Shadows and full apparitions have also been encountered, including a woman believed to be a former owner and a little boy who plays in the attic. Aww. You know, I may have read that book when I was younger, but I honestly don't remember. It's been a long time. Is it different than Anne of Green Gables? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. I think I would rather read this book instead. Yeah. And then there's a little boy who plays in the attic, huh? I know. Yeah. See, that's the freaky part. I guess it depends what he's playing. Right. He could be a nice ghost or a mean ghost. Well, it's about time for our ghost story break. But before we take a break, there are many different creepy houses that can have an argument for this title. However, for many people... There must exist a compelling story along with modern, inexplicable happenings. Scary houses are notable because you can't escape the feeling of something wicked being on the way. And that's why people are so fascinated with places like the Lizzie Borden house, the Amityville house, and even places of gruesome history, such as the Viscola Axe Murder house, which we've actually talked about before, by the way. Yeah, I swear all those locations are just super creepy. I love talking about them. Well, we are going to take a short break to dabble in some real ghost stories, and we'll be right back to talk about a few more haunted houses. Are you ready to hear some creepy ghost stories? Sit back and relax, because real ghost stories are up next, only on Forever Haunted Podcast. Don't do it. Eight years ago, I drove with my two sisters a little over 100 miles to Salt Lake City to have open-heart surgery. I was needing two bypasses done to unclog my arteries. Immediately when we arrived, we checked into a local motel and settled in for the night. We decided to rent a chick flick to pass the time, as it was not yet that late. About halfway through the movie, my sister's cell phone rang and she answered it. My other sister and I paused the movie and watched her face go pale. When she ended the call, we asked her what that was about. She said some strange woman told her not to let me get the surgery. She said specifically, don't let her do it. It was odd. She said it didn't sound like anyone she knew, and the phone number came up as private call. We tried to star 69 the number, but to no avail. After a few hours, we shrugged it off. When I woke up the next morning around 5 a.m. to get ready to go to the hospital, I noticed I had missed a call during the night on my cell phone from a private number. Curious, I checked the voicemail. I was floored. I ran to grab my sisters and played the message for them. All the message said was, Don't do this surgery. Don't do it. We gave each other creeped out glances, and I tucked the phone away in my pocket. I could not handle the anxiety both of these calls had given me. I was overwhelmed with dread. When we arrived at the hospital, I asked to reschedule my surgery. The nurse was pretty irritated by our request and told us to wait in the room to speak with the doctor. We waited a good 40 minutes before he came in, and although he was frustrated, we all agreed to move the surgery two weeks out. We walked up to the reception desk to finalize the new date and time, and suddenly everything began to shake. Not like in the movies, mind you. It was obvious we were having an earthquake. My sisters and I found a doorway and huddled there for about 30 seconds until the shaking stopped. We exchanged horrified glances when it was over. Two weeks later, I got my surgery and everything went splendid. To this day, I cannot explain who called me or why, or if it had anything to do with the earthquake. But I'm glad I was not in surgery when the earthquake happened, that's for sure. Marbles. I am not one to frighten super easily. I would like to say I try to figure out if there is a logical reasoning to something before I draw a conclusion. However, in 2005, my husband, myself, our five-year-old son Charlie, and our four-month-old daughter Samantha moved into a two-bedroom, 
one-bath apartment that had me climbing the walls from fright, not too long after our arrival. Our son had his own bedroom, and we chose to let the baby sleep in our room with us. I prefer that anyway until they're a bit older. I tend to be the protective mom with some occasional coddling. In the middle of the week is when it started. We had only been at our new apartment for a few days, and I had had a short day at work, so I went home to shower before picking my son up from school. A feeling nagged at me my entire shower. It was as if someone were watching me. It made my skin crawl so bad that I decided to cut my shower short just to get out of the bathroom. Another day after work, I ran home to fold the laundry and put it away before picking up my son from school. My husband was home, unexpectedly, working in the front room on his laptop. I stood in the hallway, folding items and putting some towels and things away in the hall closet. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a figure come out of the front room as if it were going to approach me in the hallway. I assumed it was my husband. I turned to face where I saw the figure, but there was nothing there. Then I had cold chills run down my body and give me goosebumps. At the same time, I felt a burning sensation on my arm as if I had been touched by something very warm. Not scalding by any means, but noticeable that it was warmer than a normal touch. Jesse? I rubbed my arms with my hands and slowly walked to the edge of the hallway. Yes, baby, his voice floated from the front room. I was stumped. He was still working away on his laptop, so what I had just seen could not have possibly been him. Dumbfounded and a little unnerved, I made up a response. Never mind, I found it and I turned back to my shortened pile of laundry and hastily put it all away just so I could be somewhere else other than in the hallway. My son grew to fear the hallway as well. After a few months, he refused to use the bathroom at night, so he would either wet the bed or urinate in his trash can in his room. After some time had passed, I bought a nightlight for the hallway in hopes it would make him feel safer, but it did not. The bulb burnt out after the first day. I assumed it possibly was a defective nightlight, so I bought a new bulb and installed it. But it would only last a day or two before burning out again. Finally, I broke down and bought a different nightlight and continued having the same problems. A few days would go by, at the most a week, and the bulb would be useless. It confused me to no end especially because when the nightlight went dead, the bedwetting started up again and I was washing bedding all the time. It got so bad eventually that I bought multiple sets of sheets for our son's bed. We even had to replace his mattress twice during our duration at this apartment. The creepiest thing that happened to me in this house happened while my husband was away for a two-day work trip. I'd let my son sleep in bed with me, so all three of us were in one room. I awoke at around three in the morning to what sounded like someone dropping a handful of marbles onto the hardwood at the foot of my bed. I crept to the edge of the bed and looked down, expecting to see something dropped. There was nothing. So I laid back against my pillow and laid there for a while, trying to convince myself whatever it was had just been a dream. Just as I was beginning to doze off, my alarm radio on my bedside table went off at full blast. We did not even use it as an alarm. We used it just for the time in the mornings. I jumped out of bed so fast and ran for the light before silencing the radio. When the room flooded with light, I switched off the radio and tried to slow my pulse. I checked on both kids, and luckily, they had slept through it. How? I have no idea. The volume had to have been on its highest setting. I stood there by the side of the bed trying to decide what to do. I was not quite sure what was happening, but something was. Should I take the kids to my mom's for the night? Would she think I was crazy for banging on her door in the early hours of the morning with both kids in tow? Surely that would make me look insane. We could go to a hotel, but then again, I would look like some unfit mother checking in with two kids in the middle of the night. So, ultimately, I decided to stay and, if need be, lock my bedroom door and sleep with all the lights on. The next afternoon, my husband returned from his trip, and I told him I wanted to move. I had had enough of this place. It was creeping me out. 
naturally there was some pushback because he is a total non-believer in things such as ghosts and i was furious i was starting to have a hard time sleeping because i feared something would happen or i worried for my son who usually slept by himself would it do something to mess with him in the middle of the night and what was it anyway was it a ghost i wasn't sure of anything our last night in the apartment was one that dumbfounded my husband to the core. It was nearly midnight and I was in the shower. Yes, one of those I feel like I'm being watched the entire time showers. My husband was lying in bed reading when he started hearing a scratching sound under the bed like fingernails, accompanied by a slight scurrying sound. Originally, he assumed maybe it was a mouse so he bent over the side of the bed and drew up the bed skirt to find absolutely nothing. Then, while he was still bent looking underneath the bed, our bedroom door slammed awfully loud. I could hear it through the noise of the shower. I promptly turned off the water, then hastily threw on a towel and went to see why my husband had slammed the door so loud when our children were sleeping. I found him sitting in the middle of the bed, chewing on his fingernails and staring at the end of the bed. Why on earth are you slamming doors at midnight? I harshly whispered at him, hastily grabbing my pajamas out of the dresser drawer. He stared forward, barely moving, fingertips still in his mouth. I... I didn't. I threw my clothes on rather quickly and stood in front of him at the foot of the bed. What do you mean you didn't? I heard it. In fact, all of us probably heard it. Finally, he drew his gaze up to meet mine, and I could see the shock and uncertainty painted all over it. And I knew then. He finally believed me. Within three weeks, we had a new place to move to, and we left that one behind. It was the worst experience of my life in that house. Even though things happened, I never did see what it was that was haunting us. But luckily, whatever was there chose to stay behind and not follow us. Vacant. It was my birthday weekend. I had begged my parents to let me invite over a few friends and tent camp in our backyard. I was 10 after all, and big enough to be in the backyard with a few friends for just one night. Hesitantly, my mother agreed. My father was to check on us multiple times throughout the evening just to make sure everything was going smoothly. My house was literally two houses away from an old cemetery built in the late 1800s, and I was determined to get a rise out of my friends by telling ghost stories. In the late afternoon, I helped my father set up the tent. He kept reminding me to stay in the yard, and no funny business, because he would be checking on us at random times. I nodded and agreed. I had no intentions of leaving the yard. My friends and I jumped on my trampoline for the next few hours. We went inside, grabbed some popcorn, some sodas, and brought it back out to the tent and readied our beds. As it began getting dark, my parents came out to say goodnight and make sure we all had that we needed in the tent for the evening. When my parents went back inside, we turned on our flashlights and talked about some of the girls at school. Brian was the scaredy cat of the bunch, and I was extremely excited to scare him with a really good story. He kept telling us he was hearing rustling in the bushes. Eddie, my other friend, unzipped the tent once to check, and there was nothing there. We pretty much shrugged it off as Brian being a scaredy cat. Brian and I continued to chat a while longer. When it was really good and dark, I suggested telling ghost stories. Eddie was elated, while Brian gulped and tried to hide his wide, unsure eyes. We patted Brian on the shoulder and assured him the stories would not be too scary. He nodded and agreed. We let him go first. His story was not the best attempt and wouldn't have scared a toddler. Eddie and I kept exchanging bored glances and patiently waited for him to finish. Once Brian had finished, Eddie and I faked shocked and patted Brian on the shoulder. Good one, I said. Okay, Eddie, your turn. Eddie began a story about a vacant house on the outskirts of town where a little boy had died. The little boy's family moved away a few years after his death from the trauma. The little boy roamed the streets of the town, searching and hoping to find his family. This boy was not a nice little boy. He was angry with his family for leaving him to rot alone in the house forever. He would terrorize people on the streets late at night. He would try and shove them in front of oncoming cars or trip them so that they would fall. Those types of things. When Eddie was done, I gave him a thumbs up. Good one, dude. Brian looked at Eddie and then looked back at me. 
I knew I was the best storyteller out of all of us. I'm pretty sure he was scared to hear what my story was going to be about. Before I had a chance to start my story, however, the zipper on the tent slowly started unzipping itself. All three of us sat there, flashlights pointed upwards at our chins in horror. We just listened as it kept unzipping, just slowly enough to hear. I tried to calm down by telling the guys it was probably just my dad checking in on us. I got up to prove my point. When I finished unzipping the tent and stuck my head out, no one was there. Quickly, I pushed myself back into the tent and sat there frozen. Both boys looked at me expectantly. Well, Brian nudged big bulging eyes. Is it your dad? With all my might, I shook my head no and sat there with my arms wrapped around my stomach. What are you waiting for then? Eddie screamed. I'm going inside. Both boys took off to my house while I was following closely behind. I kept turning my head and glancing behind me for some person to be following at my heels. The only thing I saw was at the gate of the cemetery. It looked like a little boy was standing there, holding a teddy bear in one hand while staring directly at us. Well, I definitely enjoyed all those scary stories. How about you, Eve? Heck yeah. I love myself a real ghost story. Always do. What do you got for us, James? How about the pirate's house in Georgia? Sounds good, matey. I love myself a good pirate story. I'm sure you do. Known as the city's oldest house, this structure dates back to 1753 when it was first used as a private residence. Sometime later in the century, it became a tavern and inn, which it remained for many decades. Today, the building is used as a restaurant, with the former inn space on the second floor used for storage. During its time as a tavern and inn, it was most frequented by mariners and others of a rough sort. It was apparently the site of many Shanghai episodes where privateers would get men drunk or drug them so they could secret them away through a tunnel and to their ships, pressing their victims into service. Today, many spirits from this time period still frequent the establishment. Apparitions are often seen on the second floor, and laughter is heard there as well. The first floor and basement are also very active, with chairs and play settings being rearranged in the dining rooms and people reporting being suddenly overcome by cold or nausea. Hmm. It's a restaurant now? Ooh. I should go eat there. <laughs> right? Especially Let's the do it. the place settings being changed around. Right? That's kind of cool. I, I like always that. like to be nauseous when I'm eating, so that'll that'll help. <laughs> just kidding right? I like to walk in and feel like I'm going to throw up I like That's, the nausea right? part with the food This place just has a certain aura to it I like that has a certain nausea to it <laughs> I Give it four out of five stars I, w- I would That seems like a pretty cool place I wouldn't mind visiting that place There's, you know, like places that have history more than just like something evil happened, like there was a murder or something like that. That that doesn't interest me as well. But really old structures that have a really long and storied history to them that have had some ghost sightings to them, that's the kind of thing that I would love to go visit. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the asylums too. I mean, even though they might be really creepy, like some of those, some of them were asylums. Then became something completely different. Then became asylum again. Then went back to something different, then became an asylum again or some sort, you know. And I like the ones that were multiple different places mm-hmm. before what they are to now to nowadays, whether it's abandoned or still functioning as something different. Yeah. Cause then I'm like, you have a bunch of confused ghosts too. Oh yeah. Because they're like, what what where am I? Yeah, it's like, like it's like asylum, ice cream parlor, asylum. Daycare center. Asylum. <laughs> what? Daycare center for kids. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> that would be bad. Asylum. Payday loan center. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How come we can never get our money on time? <laughs> it's the ghosts. <laughs> All right. All right, Eve. It's your turn. I'm going to talk about the White House. Let's not get political. I'm not getting political. This is just one. It's not my fault. All right. No residence in the country has had a history quite like that of the White House. 
completed in 1800, burned by the British in 1812, and summarily reconstructed, the building has witnessed numerous physical changes over the past two centuries. However, as one of the most famous haunted houses, it's the human history attached to it that seems to be the most enduring. For generations, reports of apparitions have come from those living and working in the building, including from sources such as presidents, their family members, and visiting rulers and dignitaries. The most frequently seen and felt presence is that of President Abraham Lincoln. He has been seen sitting on his bed and tying up his shoes, lying in bed with a contemplative expression, as well as walking the halls. Abigail Adams has also been seen periodically. Yeah, I mean, there's a famous story, actually, of uh, President Theodore Roosevelt walking around flashing people. Oh, my gosh. As a ghost. Wow. Yeah, see, you were actually really interested in that one until the very end, and you were like, it took a turn! <laughs> what happened? <laughs> that story is now not appropriate. Like, I won't even tell you what Grover Cleveland does in the bathroom. Oh, my so. gosh. Wow. Right? That's just, wow. <laughs> is it my turn? Yeah, please. Thank gosh. All right. How about the Adam Thoroughgood house in Virginia? Oh, we all like Virginia. And the Thoroughgood. I like that. Thoroughgood. Good. Yeah, that's how you would say it. You'd be like, it's the Thoroughgood house. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Dating to about 1720... Although previously thought to be much older, this quaint brick cottage was once the home of Adam Thoroughgood, a successful tobacco farmer and businessman. While it has had a rather uneventful history over the past three centuries, activity in the house hasn't been so quiet. Two apparitions are commonly cited here, one being a man and the other a woman, both in 18th century attire. The woman has been known to carry candles throughout the house, while the man is simply observed passing from room to room, perhaps looking for something. A large group of visitors even witnessed the sudden movement of inanimate objects. Hmm. Two apparitions, huh? I like it. when I love it when people share the photos where they feel like they have a ghost photo and they're in the 18th century attire. It's just, I don't know. To me, it's more believable. I don't know. It might not be believable because people have Photoshop nowadays. But to me, it's more believable when you see them in, like, older attire. Yeah. That's the more classic is, like, when people report ghosts, I think it people think it's more believable. If it's like, oh, it's somebody that was dressed in, like, colonial-style yeah. garb than if it was, like... Fishnets and a tank top. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, eh, no one cares about that. They're ghost. like, he was kind of dressed like an Elvis impersonator. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have another one for us, Eve? I have so many. It's insane. But yes, let's delve into the Morris Jummel Mansion in New York. A pre-revolutionary war landmark, this 1765 house was built by British military officer and would later feature prominently in the Revolutionary War, with George Washington even using the house as his headquarters at one point. It seems that with all the past activity, spirits in the house are little restless themselves. Several different distinct ghosts have been sighted here over the years, most of which seem to be from the Revolutionary period and the early decades following it. Former owner Eliza Jamel. Eliza. I like Jamel better. And Peggy. Oh my gosh. Has been seen here. And the presence of both her husbands, one of which was former Vice President Burr, have been reported. Ghosts here have a bit of history with startling visitors. One visitor fainted upon seeing a Revolutionary War soldier step out of a painting. Oh, that's creepy. And another suffered a heart attack upon seeing one of the house's ghosts. See, this is like another type of place that I would love to go visit. That just sounds yeah. awesome. Watch out for those paintings, though. Yeah, I know. Well, th actually, that's one of those things, too, is when you go to places that have like really, really old art or paintings where you they sometimes have a feeling about them. Like you don't have to see anything pop out at you, 
But there's something about some of those really, really old pieces that kind of almost have like the emotion of either what's in them or the air in which they were painted. I've, I've always been kind of fascinated by that. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty cool. James, you have a few more? Yeah, I actually wanted to talk about the Battery Carriage House Inn in South Carolina. This beautiful mid-19th century home commands an impressive sight overlooking the waterfront battery and White Point Gardens in Charleston's historic district. The main house itself remains a private home, but its rear carriage house has been turned into a quaint bed and breakfast, and this is where all the supernatural events occur. The area surrounding the property has witnessed quite an interesting history, from events of the Civil War back to when pirates were hanged from nearby trees. This may be why the inn is such an active paranormal site. In room 8, male guests are typically targeted by a rough-looking sort of ghost who likes to startle and harass them without being otherwise overtly hostile. Chairs have been known to slam against walls in this room, and, and his apparition is usually only seen from the torso up. Room 10 has an apparition of a slender man, not to be confused with slender man. Slender man. Who has mostly appeared to women, with a mother and daughter capturing the sound of breathing and tapping on a camera left running overnight, along with a shadow that continuously passed in front of it. The last bit of activity occurs in room three, where strange lights are observed and electrical devices seem to have a mind of their own, like blaring to life when turned off or unplugged. Well, I've definitely had my share of turned off, unplugged, and no batteries and things going off in my life. But my main thing is bed and breakfast, road trip. I mean, it's a really far road trip, but road trip. I knew you were going to say that because you've always wanted to do like road trip stopping at bed and breakfast. But it would be even better if right? you were stopping at haunted bed and breakfast along the way. And then while you were talking, I was like, oh, it's something we could do with the kids. I'm like, oh, wait, no, that's that's terrible parenting. Right. Like, kids, we're going to go to haunted locations. Hopefully no one bothers you. <laughs> you may not sleep at all the entire trip, but it should be fun. We might scar you for life. No big deal. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> awesome. That was a good one. Well, what do you say, Eve? Should we end it with two more? Not until you promise me we can go there. Fine. Yay! Okay. Sounds like a plan, James. Thanks for committing to that. <laughs> The Pink House, Kentucky. The hauntings that occur in this house act as a testament to the fact that not all spirits are negative entities, and that some of them are actually rather devoted to the living. The Victorian mansion was completed shortly before the dawn of the 20th century to be used as a gentleman's club. It later became a private residence, passing through a succession of owners before being turned into apartments and finally back to a private home. Over the course of its history, one special spirit, dubbed as Avery, has consistently appeared to homeowners and tenants. He is described as a well-dressed gentleman from either the late 19th century or early 20th century and is considered a friendly spirit. His appearance is often heralded as a warning of, for some sort of calamity. He appeared to one female tenant while she was taking a bath, causing her to hurriedly get up just before two intruders threw a concrete block through her bathroom window. He's also appeared in the kitchen to warn of impending fires. I don't know. All I heard from that was that this was apparently in the a really nice ghost who's apparently a peeping Tom. I was going to say, he was watching her taking a bath. Right, yeah. But he did save her life, maybe. So That's true. That's good. It's it's good to hear stories of, you know, they're not always freaky, which makes sense because why would all ghosts be bad or want to mess with people? You know, you would expect that there would be some that would want to have a place for good. Or well, I was going to say, maybe not all of them are bad. Just some of the people that experience it don't really know how to process that. Right. You know, we went to the Idaho State Penitentiary and did a ghost hunt. And that was my first ghost hunt. And I've never felt a spirit touch me that I think 
I don't I don't think I've ever felt that before. I definitely know I haven't felt what I felt there. But I was sitting in front of the showers where a man was murdered in the shirt factory. And we were being quiet and recording. Um, and I don't know, it was like 10 minutes that we were being quiet. I don't even remember how long we were being quiet. But I felt something actually touch me. I am 98% sure I felt a ghost touch me. Like on the cheek. It was like almost like your foot tingles when it falls asleep. And then it started getting like heavier and heavier. And like it was warm at the same time, not cold. Until it like went back towards my ear and like just disappeared. The feeling just like slowly disappeared. It was really weird. But I'm pretty sure it was a ghost touching my cheek. And then we went back through our footage and we had caught an EVP where something says, it's in hell, or I'm in hell. We will play that EVP right now for you, just in case you're curious. And then we'll be right back for our last story. All right, I think we have one more for the day. This is about the Catfish Plantation Restaurant in Texas. Housed in a quaint late 19th century Victorian farmhouse, this restaurant has experienced strange paranormal phenomenon before it was even officially opened for business. The owner experienced two incidents before the restaurant was up and running. The first occurred when she arrived one morning and unlocked the building to find a fresh pot of coffee waiting for her, with no possible known person responsible for it. The other incident involved a similar scenario of opening up and finding restaurant implements neatly piled in the middle of the kitchen, as if to suggest their removal. Kitchen staff repeatedly complain of food suddenly flying across the room and glasses breaking, and it is believed that all of the kitchen activity is caused by the last residential owner who doesn't approve of the business being in her former home. A separate female entity has been seen in the dining area in a wedding dress and has been observed by employees as well as patrons. A final male spirit spends his time on the front porch and was even witnessed by police who saw him suddenly vanish into thin air. Wow, that's really creepy. But, I mean, throwing food and breaking glasses, someone's a little angry. Maybe they didn't make the right food. Or they're just having some fun because I can totally see myself just messing with people as a ghost. Yeah. yeah. You're like, have an egg. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like an egg? <laughs> have a glass. <laughs> I like it. I like mischievous ghosts. Yeah. Well, not in my house. No. 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 I already done that. Maybe in no somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Haunted Houses. And don't forget, if you have a ghost story to share or would like to contact us, email us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Forever Haunted Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting networks so you never miss an episode. If you have a ghost story you'd like to share or be aired on the show, email us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Follow Eve on Facebook or Instagram at eves.evansauthor. Now, stay tuned for some bloopers from the show. But they all share one common trait. There's somebody that's going to edit this, and I'm totally leaving that in. No, you're so not. So you can hear it. No, you're not. And I'd be like, President Madison, is that you? Was brought in 1864. Was, was it brought? It was brought on a boat. <laughs> Oxen carried across the land. It's kind of having some parallels to The Shining. Maybe they like oxen. It's Park Man. Yeah, that'd be kind of weird if it's the prince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I, I almost kind of want to make a South Park joke, but I'm not. Any ideas there, James? No, it actually has zombie dolphins. <gasps> Fancy. I can get behind that. 
Zombie dolphins! Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. I know. <gasps> I could hear it. Barely. Ooh, that's kind of like a Harry Potter vibe. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That's all you got, huh? It is kind of interesting. It kind of scares me when I hear you singing in the bathroom, so I, I get That's it. That's not nice. <laughs> oh no, it's just Eve Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Forever Haunted Podcast with Eve, James, and Ryan. And remember, if you have a ghost story you'd like featured on the show, contact us at foreverhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media so you don't miss a thing. Eves.EvansAuthor on Instagram and Facebook. Or Forever Haunted Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Do you believe in ghosts? Have you ever had something happen that you just couldn't explain? Do you binge ghost hunting shows just to get the adrenaline rush of a good scare? If you delight in the paranormal, you will devour books by author Eve S. Evans. Join her in her journey to find the truth through others' real ghostly encounters. Eve Evans brings you 20 spine-chilling tales of paranormal encounters, sure to leave you awake, passed on. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.